sure how much my stamina is going to be for tonight so this might be a shorter episode <laughs> no problem one-armed willy i'm pretty fucking spent what the shit happened uh, you know it's funny we made a joke about how last the last episode we did how we're starting each episode with a catastrophe and then i have this one yeah um, apparently I yeah i don't know what the fuck happened to be honest i went to bed and i was a normal human being and i woke up today and i couldn't lift my arm without excruciating pain so I don't know if I dislocated my shoulder in the middle of the night or if I tore the rotator cuff or don't know, but I'm in a lot of pain. What'd you do yesterday? Nothing out of the ordinary and nothing that involved my arms, really. <laughs> you know, I wasn't like swinging from a jungle gym. Yeah. Weren't uh, picking up latte and throwing them around. Doing That's the whole, normal. you know, the dad thing where you toss your kid up in the air and catch him. That's normal. That's every day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I've never, I've never experienced not being able to lift my arm. I mean, I could force it, but it's pretty much like um, the most painful thing ever. All right. And it's not muscle pain. It's like pain that's deeper than muscle. So I think right. I tore tendon or something. That's not something you ever want to use the word forcing. You know, to try to move beyond. Oof. Yeah. I tried it once just to see if I could do it. Like, okay, does my range of motion actually work? You know, like testing the joints. And I'm like, oh, oh, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And I don't mess around with all that fucking ibuprofen and all that shit. I just suffer. Right, yeah. Old school. Yeah, well, especially since, I don't know uh, how long ago they, they released this, maybe a few years ago or whatever, but taking ibuprofen makes you more likely to have a heart attack. So I think I'd rather have pain. Huh. And uh, never caught that one. I always heard that like just pure aspirin, a little bit of that was like good to help prevent heart attacks or help you if you have an heart attack. Yeah, aspirin is generally considered pretty okay. Yeah, it's but, just uh, uh, whatever the, uh, was it acetaminophen? That shit's scary. Yeah. That's Tylenol and all that shit. I had a cousin who... She made it all the way to probably, I think she was in her late 20s mm-hmm. and probably had been taking the, that stuff for her whole life and then all of a sudden randomly had an allergic reaction, slipped into a coma and almost died just from taking wow. Tylenol. Shit, man. I'm not worth it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, uh, I don't go to it for everything because I've never really found that it actually ever worked. But I mean, I definitely do kind of you know, use or feel like I've got something going on. I'll, I'll go and like a headache or whatever, or just like been drinking before you go to bed, pop a couple to help hopefully curb uh, some of the, the morning pains. But uh, mm, it's not good yeah. to mix that with alcohol for sure. That's like the worst thing you can do. Yeah, I know, but that causes liver failure. Ba-doom! Cheery <laughs> beginning to an episode. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Chad's um, lost his arm and my liver's failing. But you know what works really good for like pain and stuff? I mean, it's not obviously on par with that stuff, but you get some good turmeric. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, 
I'd, I'd rather have, you know, aches and pains than a tumor. Oh, you meant um, turmeric. There's turmeric. two R's there. Turmeric. Turmeric. Everybody calls it turmeric. I'm like, no, yeah. I don't want it to call it turmeric. Yeah. Uh, turmeric. Yeah. That that and CBD are really good anti-inflammatories. And you know what's uh, funny about you mentioning CBD? I've been doubling down on the CBD. I saw you put up something about having tried that stuff you were talking right. about. Yeah. So I I didn't find the Lowell, um, the high-to-do cow um, CBD pre-rolls. I did end up getting a pack of just their hybrid um, little, they call them quickies. So mm-hmm. they're just like little pinners. Uh, well, they're like half. Um, so instead of five pre-rolls in a pack, you get 10 and they're just cut in half. Right. Mm. So it's just like, uh, um, I think so it's an eighth um, total. So you just have an eighth Instead of an eighth divided up into five pre-rolls, you have an eighth divided up into 10 pre-rolls. So just mm-hmm. like little, like, because I don't smoke, you know, like that one that I um, had the other day from, I think it was Humboldt Farms, I think it is. Um, I only probably made it through like, you know, a third of that just because I was kind of getting a feel for like um, what it was going to really kind of make me feel like or how it was going to affect me. Did we ever tell anybody why, why you're um, trying all this stuff? Like, did we ever talk about the pain you have? I don't think so. Um, so it kind of comes from a lot of things. Uh, I've dealt with um, kind of like body. So I grew up, you know, playing sports and doing your typical uh, little boy things, you know, where I was getting hurt and being active and I did dirt biking and that kind of shit. So um, it's stuff probably when I was in like elementary school playing Pop Warner football and I got speared in the back. And uh, had a bunch of muscles pulled. And so that was kind of probably the start of where my physical like aches and pains of, you know, kind of dealing with things that I probably shouldn't uh, at like a, you know, age of like eight or nine. Um, and I also like thought I wanted to be a bodybuilder. So I actually started like lifting weights really early on because I had all that stuff here. Ooh. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of started getting kind of just these weird not pains but you know just feeling uncomfortable and it's like oh probably stressing too being an anxious little kid so i started having knots and stuff in my back and um then in middle school found out i had like very minor scoliosis so that kind of made sense as to why um i would have like certain like some stuff in my hips just because i'm standing and on my shoulders would sometimes hurt because of the way I'm posturing and when right. I lay down and sleep, I want to be in a crooked position instead of being straight. Um, and then as I got older, I started getting really, really bad headaches um, to the point where some, I had to go to the hospital a few times because it was like, I felt like my, it was like a movie, you know, like I thought it was, uh, my head was going to explode. Yeah, that's uh, usually a base of your neck, huh? Yeah, it kind of stems from the base of the neck into the top of the, um, like the trap muscles. Um, and I have that right now. If it makes you feel any better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know I'm not alone. There's enough of us out there support group. Um, but, uh, yeah, a little so, bastard support group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 30 year olds. Uh, you know, I wish I was 30. Well, you know, like people in there dealing with stuff that you would hear your premature aging. Yeah, premature aging, you know. Um, 
But so yeah, headaches, back, muscle. Like I went to a chiropractor a long time ago, probably in like probably ten years ago. I went and they did. Um, it was the first time I'd been to a chiropractor since you know way before that. And they had this like sensor thing that they roll up and down your back, and it does like a reading of where your really bad spots are. Mm. And it just shows like a graph of a of a back on the screen, and then it has color coded um, like bars in this respected areas, you know, and it's like your typical, uh, like black is fine. Blue is, you know, next up and this is moderate and literally like orange and red. So it's a heat map basically. Yeah. And it's like all of the spots that I have always said are my bad spots were just covered in red on this thing. So, um, in any time I've ever gone to like, you know, get a massage from a massage therapist or, um, had anybody like, oh, let me, you know, let me rub your back. It's like, holy shit. Like they can feel <laughs> like you're like, you're knotted the fuck up. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, and I feel it all the time. It's like, you feel like you're pushing on bone, but no, that's just a big gigantic knot in my neck. So that happens. Uh, fragile, fragile calcification. Something like, yeah, yeah. Um, so they've been dealing with that. And then um, found out when I was, uh, in high school or it was freshman year of high school found out I had a cyst in my brain or on my brain um outside the outside or it's um well it's yeah it's on on the brain between the brain and the skull because that's where else it could be well yeah but um, I mean it's on the on the it's not yeah, inside that not ins- yeah so, so it's like a meningioma type thing yeah so like they were worried that where it was um, in the size of it that if I had gotten another because I've had about seven concussions in my lifetime. Football um, definitely help. <laughs> yeah, football and uh, well, the last one was from dirt biking. Um, I lost about an hour of memory. Of my oh life. fuck! Um, it's funny we were talking about concussions with Lamb too. He has yeah. one right now. Yeah, it's uh, it sucks, man. But uh, yeah, they were worried that where it was that um, if I had gotten another one. Because of the placement, you know, because those that don't know about concussions, your brain swells when you get a concussion and your body is designed to, you know, accommodate that. So there's a bit of space between your skull and your brain. Um, but if you have something that's foreign in there, so if my brain were to swell with a cyst, the cyst would end up coming in contact with my skull before my brain could fill up that gap. And then my skull would press that cyst back against my brain, which would then press against a valve inside my brain, which would then cut off the fluid uh, being dispersed like to my spine and I would die instantly. Um, so the doctors were like, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing stuff to get you uh, hit in your head for the foreseeable future until we forever <laughs> going on here. Um, so I went and saw this really, really nice old... Um, old man, old doctor, uh, Dr. Prolo. I mean, he was like your quintessential. He looked like Bill Nye if Bill Nye lived to be like 150. <laughs> he had the bow tie. He had the everything. He just was not as, uh, you know, kind of jovial as um, Bill Nye is, but a uh, great guy, um, really smart. Um, but uh, we looked, you know, my covered over, you know, did the sweep of my brain activity for a few years and did x-rays and MRIs and CAT scans and all that shit. And he pretty much came to the determination that um, I've had it for just ever and it wasn't changing size. Um, but uh, by that point I'd waited enough and 
had been more involved in music that I was like, eh, well, I'm not going to go back into doing, because I was doing wrestling at that time too. Uh, I'm like, I'm not going to go back into that. I'm not going to go back into playing football and all that stuff. It's already kind of, you know, that it was at that quintessential point in high school where it's like, if you're going to do sports, like get into it now and do it serious now. You know, so by the time it was like end of sophomore year, going into junior year, it's like, eh, I'm not, you know, I'm cool off that. I'm already pretty delved deep and found that I prefer music over sports. So, um, yeah. And then the, the dirt biking stuff, I, uh, I still did for a little bit, but then I got into riding, um, motorcycles on, on the old paved roads, um, which, uh, it's I, a cyst though, not a, not a venous mass. Yeah. It was always just considered a cyst. Um, Interesting. Yeah, just a little pocket of fluid. And it's on the back left side, which if I remember correctly, um, uh, I was told by him that it was like kind of the region of the brain that uh, kind of handles uh, motor skills, um, which I don't don't take that as being 100% factual. That's just the memory I have of how he explained it to me of what it was. Right. So I've always felt like, all right, I didn't know how unreliable memory is in general. So yeah, exactly. I'm like, maybe that, and I started thinking maybe that's why, you know, that makes sense. So like some of the times where I kind of feel like my motor skills are kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, my brain, I want to do this, but I'm not able to like, you know, like in the dream, like when you're trying to f- like throw a punch, you know, it's like, right. I'm like, I wonder if that's why I feel that way sometimes. Um, and I, you know, talked, I'd had a, a lot of serious thoughts of like, well, I want to get the fuck out of there. You know, it's like, I, it shouldn't be in there. I don't want it to be in there. Right. Um, what, you know, what, maybe what kind of benefits I'd have if it was gone. But then it's like, well, who really is going to really jump gung ho and be super like pushing to have unnecessary brain surgery? You know, it's like they they said we can do it if you want, but you don't need to, like, we don't recommend, you don't have to do it, but it's like, why would I just want to have someone go in and just operate on my brain for no real reason other than just like, I eh, just, you know, for shits, just take it out of there. So I just kind of decided to leave it and it's been, you know. Anybody ever tell you about the connection between CBD and like the deflation of things like that, that people, maybe not necessarily, I don't know too much about, uh, in related to cysts, but I know with tumors and stuff, they've there's some research that says that CBD taken in the right quantities will actually shrink a tumor. Um, I have not heard that. You um, should look into that. I'm going to because, like I was saying, I'm really doubling down on the CBD stuff because I'm just like I've gone, you know, I've done a few more visits to dispensaries, just been like, all right, let me get this. Um, what I've been hitting up, or uh, when I would go to dispensaries lately, what I've been getting a lot is. Um, the uh, CBD infused uh, sparkling water from Lagunitas called Hi-Fi Hops. Uh. Drinking one right now. I went on 4th of July to uh, Airfield Supply. Big up to, you know, Airfield for being a badass dispensary. Um, And got a sweet um, Airfield Supply branded, Lagunitas branded Hi-Fi Hops uh, little mini cooler bag which I will take a picture of and post so you guys can see how fucking awesome it is. Um, and I am drinking one right now. And it's uh, 5 milligrams THC, 5 milligrams CBD, um, cannabis-infused, hoppy, sparkling water. So if you're familiar with Lagunitas, uh, they have um, 
was it last year they came out with hop water, which is a sparkling water, zero everything, zero carbs, you know, zero sugar, all that stuff. It's just sparkling water, zero alcohol, but it's infused with hops. And if anybody knows about hops and weed, they're cousins. Um, so the, uh, the the lupulins, you know, the dust inside of a hop, which really gives a hop its flavor, and that's why beers will have, you know, essence of citrus and lemon, and um, uh, you know, be more floral and all that kind of stuff. Like that's where it comes from, which is the same kind of stuff, which is why weed has that skunkiness, the turpins, um, turpinus, I think it is. Um, so it's like a match made in heaven, really. So I've been hitting up and drinking hi-fi hops pretty often and trying to kind of convince other people to give it a try. And a few people that I have gotten to try it and drink it, like it, and I don't know. I've noticed that it helps. You know, it's not doing too much. Because I was always really worried um, that it was going to, you know, just because of the THC or just not having enough of a tolerance anymore, it was going to affect me a little bit more. Um, Because they also have one that's just full... 10 milligrams THC, which uh, even that, you know, I mean, that's not a lot, but for somebody that doesn't really, their body's not metabolizing or, you know, dealing with THC all that often might kind of overwhelm them, but didn't at all. It actually, I had it before I went to bed one night and it really helped me sleep really, really well. But the, uh, well, that's funny. That fits into what Lamb and I were just talking about doing on the show more often is, when we run, you know, because in the description it says about doing things better. I think yeah. part of that is recommending shit that we discover. Yeah, hey, exactly. You you guys have to try this, and I think after a hundred and twenty something episodes, people should know that we don't get paid by anybody. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I wish mean, we I did. Friends that have worked for Lagunitas or and still do work for Lagunitas, and um, but I mean. They don't know that I'm doing this. They don't know I'm talking about this. They just, you know, I just genuinely like, you know, even just the hop water by itself. If you, you know, are a non-drinker, but kind of miss the flavor of like a, you know, a slightly hoppy beer, like a session IPA, go get the hop, the hop water. I used to, when I was working downtown, managing the beer store in the, the market, I was offering and uh, recommending the hop water to like, uh, DDs or yeah, DDs or like uh, a lot of pregnant um, women would come through and they'd be there with either their husbands or they're just like walking through and um, grabbing something for the husband while the husband was over grabbing food. And they're like, Oh, I really wish I could, you know, have a beer. And I was like, Well, I got hot water. And there was a few ladies that would come back regularly. Um, and just and women ingest hops when they're pregnant, yeah, because it's just, I mean, there's no I, there's no alcohol or anything, no, no, but I mean, the hops itself, pretty, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I asked, I asked that question. I was like, you know, you're sure, you know, there's no issue. They're like, oh, you know, it's totally fine. I even talked to some of the brewers and they're like, we've never had anybody say anything against it. And I mean, hmm. I didn't look too deep, but it's like... Good to know. You know, um, right again, I could be wrong, but I didn't get anybody ever saying anything to me about it being uh, a negative um, for... Uh, babies. Yeah, for babies. For, for little babes. Just a plant. Development. Well, there's some plants that will kill a baby. Um, there's some plants that'll kill a, a, a full-grown adult. Have you seen that that garden in England? The deadliest garden. Don't even breathe. Don't even look at them. Just go in there. Hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. 
I'm gonna make it. I'm looking into it, man. The it's deadliest garden in the world. Yeah, that's funny because I just finished reading that secret garden book. That would be a real secret. What's the secret? What's you die. <laughs> you never leave. That's why the door is locked. <laughs> um, let's since we're talking about uh, products, mm-hmm. I think well, I we can do to our question now. Oh yeah, because yeah. it fits into your question, which I asked you, which was. Oh, on the me on these websites, what underwear would you buy? Oh man, I have the site you. in front of me, so I can. So do I. Bum bum um, bum! Everybody else, open up meundies dot com and join join the visual adventure. You better do it. Um, so I, I was looking through just the the men's stuff, and I was starting to notice that it was like all looking like just what they had listed for the um uh, for the new releases, and I went into the just the, the men's and I went boxer brief with fly. Not that I got the, the dong door. As we talked about it, I don't use, you know, the dong door for, um, for, you know, urination purposes. Um, but it's still when you're put in the position of like, have it or not, it's I'd rather just have it, you know? Yeah. A little bit of extra ventilation. Don't it's want the little, you don't want the guy feeling, uh, feeling trapped and claustrophobed. Uh, I found I did I do use it more than I thought I did. Um, <laughs> like I mean, when you get new shoes, you don't realize how often people step on your feet until you get brand new shoes on. Yeah, well, like the, there was, you know, we had talked before, and I said, "Oh, I think at home I just you know do the over the top thing," but then I realized I'm like, "No, I don't." And maybe it's just with the meundies because they're super. They're, it's different than cotton. It's just super soft. Yeah. So like the the fabric is not as much of a struggle to, um, you know, get get to the goods. Right. Yeah. 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 Anyhow, yeah. so boxer briefs with the fly. Right. Um, and then so I was looking through. I was like, okay, it's kind of cool. Pineapples. Sorry, right, that's that's the pineapples right. are kind of cool. They are. Um. Then there was uh. I think they call it the Slater. It's a oh, very. The blue ones or the pink ones? The blue ones with the, I think that was the. Yeah, the oh yeah, that's very safe by the bell. Well, yeah, with the it's like the opening pink uh, triangles sequence. Yeah, with the squigglies. Um, but then I came across some mer people. Oh yeah, number two. Yeah, some some. Oh, I didn't notice there were dudes in there. I thought it was yeah. all mer ladies. Yeah, mer people, man. I think yeah, one's a dude with a. Does he have a hair bun? That's what I say. It kind of looks like a top bun. Yeah, all bearded. So you know big ups to that i guess uh, they're they're a couple years behind in fashion under the ocean i don't know man i see a lot of i still see a lot of the top ones oh uh, should, people should be walking around with a scissor i know <laughs> <laughs> it always seems to be taller guys so it's like a little bit harder to reach them yeah maybe they're bald oh i didn't think about that i saw one guy he had it all wrong um or maybe it's a cultural thing um but instead of having it like in the middle of his head or even towards the back, he had it in the front and it was, mm. his hair wasn't long enough to be in a bun. He just had like a, a short ponytail. Like a little right mushroom. <laughs> well, what it did is it made it look, made him look like a whale, which is like a little sprout. <laughs> a brown, a brown, uh, yeah, what just, like, um, just a blowhole. Thank you. Brown blowhole. Yeah. Brown blowhole of hair. Um, so there's that, there's some llamas. Hmm. I, like I like the mushrooms. The, that's the next one I was going to get to. Was the mushrooms? Um, that's Super Mario Brothers, right there. Yeah. Um, 
I love me. I, I didn't notice those ones before. Yeah, no, those ones are pretty cool. I love me. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not opposed to pink, but I, I think pink underwear is maybe pushing the line for me. Nah. Especially the llama ones, the pink and black. I love that contrast. That's a good Which combo. Color. What number is that? Um, I don't know. I'm not looking at numbers. I'm just looking. Because what I did to then was like. Llamas are the unicorns. There's unicorns, but then there's llamas. Oh, I'm not seeing the llamas. So. Um, they do change them out, so maybe it disappeared. It might. I think it's sold out. But yeah. It's still a print. Um, it might be in a different style. Yeah. Um, they move. They move stuff. I noticed that there's some stuff in here that's different from the last time I was in there. Yeah. So I'm thinking, thinking mer people, mushrooms, and llamas. Are you gonna go for multiple pair? Well, I'm thinking those are the three that I really like. Um, might try doing the, um, like the his and hers bundle. Give them to a special, special lady friend. Yeah. Start just giving out underpants. Uh, I tell you, I'll be surprised if you do not enjoy them. Because I was surprised at how much I enjoyed them. Yeah. Um, excuse me. And for the record, since we're talking about it, ladies and gentlemen, I have the rockets, the blue little rockets, and basically the Fourth of July pair. Yeah. Um, what do they call those ones. Let's see here. Let's see. They call them rockets red glare. Ah, uh, the glaring red rocket. So it is Fourth of July theme. And then I have a pair that was a member exclusive. That's they change the member exclusives every month, so you won't be able to see them. But they were octopus or octopi. Oh, yes, that, that was the other one I really wanted was the octopus. Yeah, those ones are cool. That's what made me want to buy my first pair. I was like, oh, and I like that pattern. Okay, fine. I'm in. Yeah. So I'm in for one month. That was, yeah, that was my, my main one that I saw first, but sold out. Um, so octopus, yeah, the mushrooms and the mer people and the llamas, but because the octopus matches my tattoo on my right shoulder. Oh. Yeah, man. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so where the hell did that app go? There it is. <laughs> My question was: Do you remember? You want to? Do you remember what you were uh, what you were asking me? Shit, I, I have it written down. It's okay. Uh, uh, I just wanted to see if you remembered. I was going to let I, you say it. A lot of shit's been going. On. <laughs> Could you spend the night in the creepy doll store? Could That's I spend right. the night in the creepy doll store? And the answer is hell yes. That's what I'm um, talking about. I said uh, to clarify, I I thought it was creepy, a creepy answer when you said doll store, not mm-hmm. because dolls creep me out, but because it sounded like pedophile. Oh, so staying in a creepy doll store would not scare me at all. In fact, yeah. I dare to say it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel bad for whoever owned the doll store because they would probably come back to. All the dolls doing something. I was going to say, I would hope that the the person that ran the doll store was not aware of it. So he could just like kind of fuck with them and like, you know, glue all the dolls like to the ceiling. Yeah. Or uh, have them huddled around a fire. Um, (laughs) Have them looking through a tree for a cat wearing underpants. Um, You know, nothing. There might be one, one, um, one section of dolls um, having sex, but I, I, mean, I wouldn't do that to the whole store. That's just boring. Yeah. I have to really play with different kind of scenes. I mean, I have all night, right? Right, and they have all different personalities and emotions. Some yeah, of them might not be there. You're not going to go to sleep. You're going to stay awake as long as you can. Yeah, and have fun with the dolls. 
So doll store. Hell yes. Oh God. Podcast from inside a doll store. Need to find somebody that works at a doll store. That would be great. Live from the doll store. <laughs> that would be one where all three of us have to be present. Right. Live stream. Um, yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting is I was just thinking about this as we were, um, you know, you had last week off. So I was yeah. just kind of like, uh, I had two weeks to think about stuff instead of one week. So they yeah. end up like different levels of things. And I think like we definitely, one of the things I said when you first came on a show where to the audience was it's going to take a little while for us to get into the swing of uh, how you and I work together. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that we're, you know, obviously it's just as with lamb and I, it's always improving, but I definitely think we're there. Oh yeah. Um, we've, we've figured out how we work. So now what's interesting to me, what I was thinking about is now for all the people that think that, you know, like what we've been doing for the last three weeks is all this show, at least uh, our episodes is, is ever going to be. Uh, no, that was just us warming up. Yeah. Now we get to actually start diving into topics and stuff, just like I do in episodes with Lamb. We just needed to learn how to do this together first. Correct. So now um, we can talk about, you know, uh, topics like this is, I'm saying this to the audience, but technically I'm saying it to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, topics like creativity and, uh, you know, as we had said before, building the Patreons, um, mm-hmm. any any type of stuff where we're doing things better, which I think is... I, I keep talking about this one. I know I for the people listening, I go on these fucking things where like three or four episodes, I talk about the same thing over and over again. And it's because I'm working my way through it and I'm recording two episodes a week. So <laughs> I don't get it out of my system before I record a next episode. Right. But that idea of that, getting things, learning how to do things better, it's really, for me, it's a really expansive idea. You know, it seems like something really simple, but like I think about all the stuff that you and lamb and i do in our daily lives that we don't necessarily think about like oh i found a better way to do that or excuse me um i'm trying this because i think this might be a better way or i tried this and it didn't work out all those things are very interesting to me and Mm -hmm. i I imagine like if you know if you're talking about something you're trying out it's interesting to you and if lamb's talking about something that that he's trying out it's interesting to him Mm -hmm. And as I've always said with this show is the show is about what we're interested in. Yeah. So, but I, I think that there's definitely been uh, <laughs> some people are like, Oh my God, are they going to talk about buttholes forever? And like, no, we're not going to talk about buttholes forever. We're just having fun and getting comfortable. doesn't mean that we'll never not talk about them again. Right, like I'm not sure I'm going to bring up a, a thought of a tandem toilet. Well, and the, the bidet, to be honest, fits into the category of doing things better because we were curious, is the bidet actually better? And I say it is. Uh, well, now that I have one arm and I'm right-handed, <laughs> the bidet would be really awesome, be awesome. Right now because the hardest thing to do with one end, well, there's probably other yeah. things, yeah. but the hardest thing so far that I've encountered having to do with one arm is wiping yourself. Yeah. Not, not, so, not so cool. No, I remember that when I broke my right hand. Um, yeah, that was terrible. I had it in a cast, and it was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. How did it? So, how long ago was that, by the way? Uh, so, my right hand, I broke uh, probably eight years ago. Yeah, 
probably about eight years ago, I broke my right hand. Um, and broke my going back. I mean, look, it all ties back into things we talked about. All circles. It's all a web that weaves. It's always circles. Yeah. Um, to finish the thing about I was talking about earlier with the pain, the main thing that I deal with for the CBD is when I broke my left hand in a motorcycle mm-hmm. accident. Um, and that was like five years ago. So, um, but left hand, I can, you know, that, that was just trying to make sure, you know, you figured out how to shower with your hand raised over your head or whatever. When you have your right hand broken, you're a right-handed person, that's pretty fucking difficult. Yeah. And luckily, I'm fairly... I'm better at using my left hand than most people. Like I can eat food with my left hand. No problem. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit slower, but I'm not like clumsy. Like I just ate earlier. I, ha- I was eating peas with a fork earlier. So obviously I have pretty good left hand dexterity. Fe- peas with a fork? What are you, a fucking psycho? That was it. You know, that's spoon, what, man. Yeah, I do love spoons, but that's what was on, put on the table. So that's what I used. I don't care. Hmm. I don't worry about it. As long as they get in my mouth. I think you're a serial killer. I was more concerned with having to use my left hand. Right. But uh, when you broke your right hand, mm-hmm. learning to do things with your left hand, right. do you remember, were there any tips or any interesting things that you stumbled upon? Like, oh, this this works really well. Um, I know it was eight years ago, so. It was a while. I mean, what I do remember was I just had to like kind of slow down and take my time on things. Because if I was trying to like rush and go the same pace that I would do with my right hand, it's like, no, I got to think about this a little bit longer because it's like, I have to watch my hand. You know, it's like you kind of have to build up that coordination um, to do certain tasks. But I do find myself still like doing things with my left hand instead of my right hand because it's like, um, you know, being able to hold something a little bit more steadily with your right hand or with my left hand and with my right. Um, but not really, you know, I kind of feel bad. That I don't have any like tips. or. Tricks. <laughs> That's all right. You know, what I've, I've realized is my problem. One of my problems with this injury is I'm a tester. Yeah. Um, I'm not the kind of person that goes, Oh, I can't use that. And just wait. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. I'm like, can I lift my arm now? Ow. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> It's been like three hours. Can I do it now? Nope. It's gone, right? Which I'm sure extends the period. So I would say as a recommendation to people, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep pushing it back. Yeah. It's it's the worst is... Well, not the worst. I said what the worst was. One of the interesting things is trying to use a mouse. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You can't really mouse with the left hand unless you're completely ambidextrous. Well... So I have to like lean the... The yeah. bad arm against something and use the finger. You see, the thing, I think maybe what it is, is I, you know, being a guitar player, my, I feel like my fingers on my left hand are a little bit more um, kind of dexterous, dexterous and um, coordinated than any other just right handed person that, you know, doesn't really right. do anything. I didn't even um, think about so, that. Maybe that's why I'm better at things with my left hand than other people. Because, like, you know, you mentioned, like, the using the mouse thing, um, you know, like a trackpad, you know, like that. I'm more going to probably use my left hand um, than I am going to do to my right hand because, like, 
those fingers are more used to, I guess maybe not because well, I guess they are more used to the, you know, precision of going to this point to that point because those that's the fretting hand you know that's the hand is going to be those are the fingers that are going to be on the strings and the frets and forming the chords and all that kind of stuff whereas my it right is hand kind of a weird thing isn't it yeah well that, it seems like it's backwards that right-handed people should be strumming with their left well technically it is that way uh playing the way i, I play guitar with my left hand on the fretboard and my right hand that is actually technically left-handed playing um that's really? how it was. But yeah, they're initially. Oh, you mean like in many before rock and roll, basically? Yeah, initially the beginning, like the lutes and everything, it was just designed. You're left-handed because your main dominant hand is doing the most complicated thing. Right. Yeah, that's what I always wondered. I'm like, right. I could ease. I could have taught my left hand to strum a lot easier. Yeah. Than I taught it to fret. Right. I did so, it the way that I was taught. Yeah, but like most things, you know, it got skewed and flipped around and backwards and now it's right-handed playing is your right hand strums and your left hand frets and your right or your left-handed players opposite strum with the left hand fret with the right hand some i mean my cousin he's left-handed but he plays quote-unquote right-handed guitar he's ambidextrous that way yeah and i guess it doesn't matter as long as that's the way you learn from the beginning right yeah or i mean you could even it's hard no matter what when you start it is. Like if I tried to teach myself to play on a left-handed guitar, it would be like I'm 11 years old again, sitting in there yeah. trying to figure out how to fret and all that, which I've tried fun. it. <laughs> it's frustrating. Every, every day, almost every day at work, I give it a shot and I just walk by, eh, let me see if I'm better today. Nope, I still suck. It's really frustrating, but it's because you have that adult brain where you're like, I know how to do this. And then your hands are like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you look at you like, I think that's what makes it more frustrating is because in your mind, you know that you know how to do it. Uh-huh. When you first start playing guitar, like me as an 11-year-old, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And there was no part of my brain being like, yes, you do. You know how to do this. Like, right. I have no, it's literally all new. It's all fresh. It's all it's blank. It's like the poor people who have strokes. Yeah. Or like, oh, I'm trying to say that word and I can't say that word yeah. anymore, but I know how to say that word. Oh, trust me. I can, yeah. That Alzheimer, you know, just the memory. It's like, you know that you know it, but it's not there. So it is almost like identical to that because you're sitting there and you have something in your hands that is like so, so familiar, you know, 20 some odd years for me, you know, sitting here with this guitar in my hand or a guitar in my hands on my lap, strung over my shoulder, however it is. And even though my hands are doing two, you know, or it's flipped around, it still feels comfortable, still feels the same in my, you know, right hand and my left hand. But it's like you're trying, you know that you can make the chord shape with your right hand instead of your left. But being able to you know, get that precision of I need this here, I need that there, and then the pressure, you know, the amount of um, and being able to trade between the chords as well. Exactly, but then you a reasonable hand. time to actually make it yeah. sound like a song. Right. Exactly. And then your left hand. Instead of like strum. Yeah. Reshuffle, reshuffle, reshuffle. reshuffle yeah. Strum. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like by on paper, you should be able to do it. But it's just something. I don't know. It doesn't. It's a skill. Uh, it's a skill. It uh, did you take lessons when you first learned? Um, so when I got my first guitar, it came and still does uh, when you buy a guitar. Um, at, 
store I work at, which is where I got my first guitar, Guitar Showcase in San Jose, California. Um, yeah, it came with a month of free lessons or group lessons. And then, uh, so I went to that and I believe, um, I think my parents paid for a little bit more. So I went longer than just a month. But what would happen is every time someone bought a new guitar in that time that I was going to this group class, the class would have to kind of start over, you know, because a new person would come in. So really all I did, and I wish I could remember the guy's name, but um, I pretty much what I did is I got shown chords. I got some printout, you know, some literature to take home and mull over. And Exercise I got literature. Kind of, yeah, I got kind of uh, explained, you know, strumming patterns and this kind of, you know, just kind of the basics. And, and that was about it. And then I kind of stopped going because it just it was the same thing. Every single time I would go, it would just be a start over, start over, start over. It's like, all right, well, I can do this at home. And That's basically I quickly, my same experience almost yeah. exactly, except I didn't go to a class. Somebody came to me. Yeah. I tried that later, you know, for a minute. Um, my parents were like, oh, maybe we have like a one-on-one lesson. And that really didn't work on me at all because it was after I had already spent a good amount of time just listening to music and teaching myself and just figuring it out, just walking myself away and just sitting down with a guitar and just playing it and figuring it out. And Oh, you were do- you learned it by ear. Yeah. Just having those, having those discoveries of like playing through and just kind of messing around and all of a sudden, suddenly two notes you hit at the right time and the right speed. And you're like, oh shit, that sounds like the beginning to fucking Purple Haze. And that was, you know, it was like... See, I wish I had done that. I... After I had that le- those lessons, mm-hmm. uh, well, it was like two, maybe three lessons. I actually got a, a amazing Takamini acoustic guitar out of it. There you go. The lady loaned it to me, and then she was like, "Ah, you can keep it. It's like a thousand dollar guitar." I don't know why. Um, I still have it. I'm looking at it right now. That's Anyways, uh, after that, I I went to tablature. Yeah. So I would buy you know Guitar World magazine all the time and try. But I was never, I was never the person to like. I'm gonna learn this whole song. I would just like kind of play through the first time. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's the part I like. And I would yeah. just play the part I like. I'm yeah, like, learn, learn the riffs. Yeah, I'm like, that's the riff I like. Ah, solo, ah, fuck solos. I don't care. <laughs> that's hard. That's yeah. hard. That's just the difficult stuff. Um, I, well, yeah, all no. I wanted to be was the guy that goes. You know, I was a metalhead at the time. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was more about the feel and the, the. Yeah, I didn't want to learn all the finger tapping, which was popular at the time that I was learning. I'm older you know, than you, so it was still hell yeah. days, right? Which part? There's a kind of a struggle I always have when it comes to the the crazy technical playing with like the tappings and the speed and the like hurricane. Um, Frills. I mean, like a like, mouse team type people. Well, I can't stand him. Nobody uh, likes him. I don't know how he gets old records. <laughs> I've never met anybody who's like Ingve is the shit. I've I've met a few people, and you know whatever. You should not know them anymore. And, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just give them the benefit. You know? <laughs> I'll forget that you said that. You bring it up to me again, then we'll talk. But uh, like guys like John Five, um, even like Jim Root, you know, and Slipknot. Um, mm-hmm. I like that playing, but even like blues players like Joe Bonamassa, like he can go pretty quick, you know, but his is a little bit different style than like, which John five, I really like as using him as kind of an example because, you know, guitar player from Marilyn Manson, 
longtime guitar you know player for Rob Zombie now um, has his own group John Five and the Creatures and plus he was like a session musician well that's the thing is he, was, he was the guitar player for Katie Lang yeah I was gonna say country know? and he's a yeah I mean he's a country nut he's a Telecaster player um, and so his like where he comes from his like approach and his way of playing is very country-esque like chicken picking finger you know telecaster twang um but then you know he can just i mean also too he's an obsessive you know player and practicer for you know hours and hours a day for you know however many years of his life now yeah that's all those session guys they're just like fucking you know and his practice is to learn this style why because i can yeah but it's like just focusing on the speed and it's like i i'd i've done that a little bit and practiced on it and try to get better at being a little bit you know faster on the sweet picking and all that kind of stuff but every time I really kind of start to dive into it it's not like fulfilling me the same way as like I just you know it's boring well I don't see the need for me to play excruciatingly fast like I, I appreciate listening to it and guys that do it but like after a few minutes of listening to it, it's like, all right, um, I don't, I no longer see or feel the music, you know, the musicality of it and like the emotion and the touch of it. It's just like, now it's just, well, look how fast I can play and how fast my fingers go. It's like, all right, that's cool. It's like, for me, yeah, it's I've like they're playing stuff that's like not necessary always to get the melody across that they're doing. Right. You know, like, what's the purpose? What are we really getting out of this? And for me, I need to feel as well as like, um, if I'm listening to a sub- something or if I'm playing something, I need to feel kind of equally or more than like the actual, like the technicality of what I'm playing. So I've always been very, you know, kind of more just not even in music, but or guitar playing, but kind of all over just kind of a bit more on the modest and like understated side um, to where, you know, it's like more important to kind of focus on when you're not playing than when you are, you know? Right. Knowing when More not. of a jazz mindset. Yeah, because it's like... I'm I mean, obviously, to... excluding bebop. Yeah, I mean... Because bebop is speed, exactly like we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know who always uh, impressed me? I don't know if you ever heard him. You ever heard Michael Hedges? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's the kind of speed that I can appreciate because it's completely different than what we're talking about. What we're talking about, I would use the term noodling. Yeah. You know, the scales. Buckethead. You know, but he's like the king of noodling. This what Michael Hedges is doing is bouncing around the fretboard, smacking the guitar in places and hitting harmonics. And but the yeah. way when you hear what he's playing, you go, "That's oh, that's how that piece goes." Yeah, it literally makes sense. Where you're like, "Oh, that's just you. You played fast so that you could get to that next note because that note had to be there." Yeah, um, you hear all the notes. You know, yeah, like you're it's aware a, of what happened. You were, you felt like you're keeping keeping up uh, with the pace of the song, not like, oh shit, I just went from here to here and I, I, I'm i still kind of dizzy from that over there. Right. But now I'm over here and it's going, it's like, hey, what the hell's going on? Um, and for people listening to the, one of the big difference with Michael Hedges is he was playing an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Which is, makes his speed even more incredible. If you haven't heard him, go check him out right now if you like guitar playing. Just Oracle, check out that album. Mm. Actually, any of them, but Oracle's amazing. I listen to that when I go to sleep tonight. So um, 
Yeah. But like one of my favorite players right now and has been for a while that um, handles the just the right amount of speed and like precision with the speed, but the clarity and the emotion and you don't feel like you're distracted by the speed. Cause that's another thing that happens too. Is like sometimes you kind of totally lose that you're listening to a song. Cause you're just like, what the show, look how fast he's playing. Look all those notes. Um, but when you can kind of evenly balance the speed with, um, all the other things that I look for in a song, um, is a guy uh, named Julian Lodge. He's a jazz player. How do you spell that? Uh, uh, Julian is just like Julian, J-U-L-I-A-N. Um, Lodge is L-A-G-E. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes for everybody. Um, fucking amazing. Um, he's got some there's some really good YouTube videos um, that when you kind of go searching for him, uh, put one of my favorite ones he does a it's all you know mostly instrumental um mm-hmm. actually i think all of his stuff no matter all of his projects are instrumental um which another thing that draws me in is because i tend to kind of gravitate more towards instrumental um i don't know really why i have no real deep explanation for that i do enjoy vocalists and um singing but i mean bands like godspeed and tortoise um the music has always kind of been i mean i guess because i'm not a singer i'm more interested in the instruments and the song and the right you know if i if i could sing or you know felt like i got good at singing um maybe i would kind of well i think that lyrical music is it's it's about hook right it's about chorus and not always of course that's this is all generalizations and instrumental music tends to be more about movements because you don't have necessarily that same song structure. So, um, like, for example, the first Dredge album. Yeah. Those are movements. It's like, here we go in this movement, you know, like almost like soundtrack. Yeah. And so you were setting this mood and now we're moving into this mood. And so it's, it's just a completely different type of songwriting as well. Right. I think, you know, some people think of instrumental music as just like stuff they couldn't think of words words for but it's it's if there's probably plenty of that out there let's 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 be honest but good instrumental music is actually written to be that well because it's you know again it's not 100 percent, but some music or some songs you take away the lyrics and the song's crap right or the other way around take away the music and just leave the, the vocals sometimes. That's crap. Can we say the police? <laughs> Have you ever heard the, the uh, just the uh, vocal tracks, uh, Sting's vocal tracks from the police without no, the band? No, but I've heard enough um, Sting singing that I can do that anyway, just in my head. Um, it's it's pretty bad. Like, I was yeah. shocked. And that's, I mean, no, no, no diss to the guy because the guy is musically he's a genius in the sense that he can play the bass in six eight and sing in four four. Yeah. Who the fuck can do that? <laughs> it just yeah. makes my it just makes my head kind of seize up or my brain seize up thinking about it. I know. That's I mean that's I mean that's even different than playing two drums, you know, like oh I'm doing one thing with this drum and that drum. That's two different timings and two completely different parts of your brain. Yeah. Pretty incredible. 
yeah, I, I think that, like you were saying, the the instrumental stuff is. I can I go through phases where I'm like, if I'm writing a lot, I need instrumental music. I don't listen to lyrics when I write, um, like uh, books and stuff like that. So to clarify, not writing music is not what I mean. So I go through a lot of that type of music, and I just get lost in or soundtracks. I love soundtrack music. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. Um, bastard. <laughs> I think with um, again, like I said, enough of the people that I really like listening to and the bands I really love. Um, you know, vocals play a huge part in that. You know, um, again, like you said, Dredge, um, like uh, Circus Survive, and um, and like Arcane Roots, uh, like Deftones. You know, bands that really like convey kind of emotion and kind of just raw reality through the, the vocals. Um, but there's a band tied with it that does just the, just as much for me, um, you know, to where you're not listening to like, what always makes me laugh is, or kind of cringe too, is when you see bands and when they're coming up like Maroon 5, you say Maroon 5, only anybody, only person anybody knows from that band is um, Adam Levine, right? You know? Like, okay, why is that? You know, it's like, oh, because you know the the pop culture thing where it's like, well, the lead singer is the most important thing. It's like, okay, so focus gets put on that. Like almost famous, it's easy to forget about me. I'm yeah. only the fucking lead singer. Yeah, Jason <laughs> Lee. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like you see it always happens, but it's. Um, that's the pretty boy thing too, right? Because yeah. it's like we get, we can get this guy on magazines with his shirt off, right? Didn't he play the, the Super Bowl or something with his shirt off recently? Was that? Yeah, him? I think there was a bunch of yeah, bunch of internet memes that stemmed and popped off of that. But, Nipple uh, memes. I don't remember what they were. I just know it was a. I think it was his tattoos. Mm. Ridiculous tattoos. Open all night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like the worst tattoos ever. Yeah, you know, so I don't know, music is such a there's no one kind of blanket statement to put from me. I mean from me only on this is like this is what I like and this is why I like, you know, it's like cuz it's all like a like life and like your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts, it's always like an ocean just you know, ebbing and flowing, just rising and pulling back and the tide's coming in, the tide's coming out. It's like instrumentals just killing me right now. I need it. Um, I don't need to hear words. I got enough thoughts and stuff in my head. I just need to feel, you know, it's like what's making me feel. So some days it's, you know, um, hearing Anthony Green, you know, belt out a song. And when we were on tour with them and I would hear Anthony doing his vocal warm-ups before shows him just by himself, you know, find hallway or um, little bathroom or a corner in the um, green room area. Like, dude, I could listen to just Anthony's vocals sometimes, you know, he's one of those singers where if you took the band down and you just heard the vocals, it would stand up. And if you took Anthony's vocals out, the band is, it's just as, you know, you'll still get a crowd of people. You're still going to get them behaving the same way. Um, but, you know, Anthony's one of those guys, you know, that can sing like that and can make you feel with just vocals. Um, but if you, you know, if you like you're talking about, if you take away 
um, uh, Copeland and Summers, you know, from uh, the police, and you just hear a thumpy bass and sting. Doing whatever totally out of key. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what the shit? You know, but, it's like, the, but the other way around, I would love to listen to just Andy Summers and Stuart Copeland. Yeah. You know? Like, well, um, you need Sting's bass too, but... I think you get away with it. I like the police, just to clarify for everybody. Oh, I do too. I'm just saying that uh, what we're saying, I think, is he sounds good with the band, but when you take the band away, his voice isn't as good without the band. There's a, it's like U2. Bono does not have the best voice in the world. No. But when he sings with U2, it sounds like he's fucking epic, right? Yeah, he, it's a, it's they a, fit um, together. It's a recipe, you know. The and band. it's not better or worse. It just is. You know, like they have to be together. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, Bono, uh, he's not the kind of guy that's going to go on a solo career because he fits in that band just so perfectly. And, and I don't know he could play with anybody else. I've never really thought about it that way because you're right. Like that's one of those bands where um, nobody ever kind of went off and, you know, did their own thing for a little bit or did like a side yeah, project. It's like super that. rare. Um, I mean, even I fucking, can't think of anybody else actually right now that hasn't done that. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the stones have gone off. Yeah, I mean, but then again, the stones have been around for fucking since the stone age. Yeah. But like Kiss, you know, they all done that. Oh yeah, I want to hear those solo albums. They're, they're. If you have to, are you a Kiss fan? I I do appreciate Kiss. Yeah, when I was younger, I was a Kiss fan. I wouldn't say I'm a fan now, but I like Kiss. Yeah, you um, probably get some nostalgia out of it. I mean, it's well, a little bit different because it's like I think it's the Chuck Kosterman book that he talks about those albums. Yeah. Have you ever read him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what book I'm talking about? Is it is it Killing Yourself to Live? Uh, where he goes on a road trip and he only has the four Kiss solo albums? I think that is. Either that or it's Insect Drugs and Cocoa Puffs. And it's a, a short essay. Either way, go read those books. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Carry no, on. Um, Kiss. Yeah, like... It's a sum... Bands like that, they're the sum of all their parts. So when you go into the Kiss albums, the, you know, the each individual ones, you're only getting a sliver of, you know, what it is that goes together that makes Kiss enjoyable if you're a Kiss fan to listen to. So if you're, but that's why people are like, oh, I have, you know, Paul's album. That one's my favorite. Well, that's because you prefer what Paul brings to the band. Right, like more of what he does, like but yeah, if you like not, the chest hair and the nipples and and the yeah. songs about sex, yeah, and oh, he writes yeah. about sex a lot too. But well, I mean, I think it's all about, fucking but it's it's kind of like um shit. Who was I just thinking of? Um, well, like for example, you could go different ways with this. Um, Robert Plant's solo work is fantastic. Mm. Jimmy Page's yeah. solo stuff is kind of pooey. Um, Slash, his solo stuff was not very impressive. I'm not counting Velvet Revolver because it's just... Is that... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, um, yeah. yeah, it was um, Scott Stan. No, not yeah. Scott, uh, Scott Weiland. Yeah. But I mean like his Slash's Snake Pit and all that stuff. It's, yeah. It just... It wasn't... It didn't have what that band had. Right. And, and that's the other thing too is when you see these bands and that's why I always love that Zeppelin broke up after Bonham died mm-hmm. because they were like, we had magic together yeah, and we're not going to try to bring somebody in 
and change that, you know, and, and bring it, try to recapture that magic. Yeah. We know it's done. It's over. Right. Because you see these bands and you're like, oh, they get a, the worst is when a, I think there are obviously be exceptions, but mostly the worst is when they get a new singer. Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're like, oh, so you have six songs with this dude <laughs> and the 20 songs that are out of his range. <laughs> Which I think the only, I mean, not the only time, but still my favorite of that is ACDC. Um, yeah. Because twice they did it. Because you get that like, it's almost like they're in the same, you know, I mean, but who else sings like those two, you know? Yeah. Here early ACDC. Obviously Axel technically, that's why they hired him now. I mean, but can he really? No. He could have when he was younger, I think. He right. It's like so you're going now. off of it. You're going off of a I actually Brian out Brian Johnson recipe. was I preferred him to Bon Bon Scott. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is you listen to like you can effortlessly go from listening to old you can put all of the entire catalog of A C D C on on shuffle. Right. It does not matter what comes up because if you're getting if you're in a groove and you're listening to obviously because Brian's been singing, you know, he's majority of their existence, he's been the singer. Yep. Um, and you're like going through a pretty steady flow of um Brian's songs and then Bon Scott song pops on, you're not gonna be jolted. You know, you're not right. gonna be like, oh what the fuck? You know, it's not gonna be at all kind of a a sensory shock. You're gonna. Well, it's be- also because that's the kind of band where that one of the rare exceptions where the singer is second fiddle. Yeah, DC is always and has is always going to be about uh, Angus Young. Yeah, but the yeah. fact that both Brian and Bon had such unique voices and such a unique, oh yeah, you know, just everything that makes a voice a voice like is unique with them, and. uh yeah, it's um, to me. It's even with with ACDC as far as being about the vocals and um, Angus and what he's doing. Um, if you're seeing him in person, yes, Angus definitely pushes it. I mean, that's kind of why he went with the whole schoolboy uniform and oh yeah, running I can't around. believe he can still do that. He's like, when is he going to be like in his seventies at least, right? Well, yeah, but he's tiny and he's Australian. Yeah, but he's like, you know how much energy he's exuding? <laughs> how that's much sweat? That's why he's still much, tiny. How much sweat is coming out of that body? That's he must be like a piece of beef jerky after every show. Why it ends up being just him in his shorts. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think so how we got into sweaty those. shorts. <laughs> but I think, aren't they always like thick, like velvet? Like Yeah. Oof. Because they're based on, a, I think they're based on a real schoolboy uniform. Yeah, um, that they actually wore him and his brother Malcolm. I want to go back for a second when we were talking about speed. I thought about the one exception where I think the one thing about speed is uh, using speed for an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, not you know like we talked a lot about noodlers and noodlers is just like they go straight to full speed, and then maybe they try to go faster than full speed. But you look at somebody like Hendrix. And yeah. Hendrix was not a fast player, but he could play fast. Yeah, and, exactly. And there were moments of speed, but those were used for dramatic tension. Yeah. So it's dun, 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 you know, like, right. just like jazz. Where it's like, we're doing this transition. And that's how Hendrix would play. 
Yep. And that's where that speed comes in handy. But like, I feel like if you're get your foot to the pedal the whole time, you can't appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Thanks. Can I derail you? <laughs> no, because I'm trying to think. It's like, so the guy I was talking about earlier, Julian Lodge, like mm-hmm. he does that really, really well. Um, the the video that I would say to like to kind of start with to see that he does um, instrumental version of "I'll Be Seeing You." Um, that I think a lot of people would be um, familiar with Billie Holiday doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just it's him upright bass drums and you know it's another one of those times where he's playing by himself for a long time you know super super jazz where it's like the guitar is by itself and then this stuff kind of comes in much later very modestly kind of drops in drops back comes in comes out it's you know it's a li- it's like the song is alive, you know, and you're watching like a living thing kind of making its way right through. Um, and his guitar playing in that one, I think the one after that I recommend is uh, called Nocturne, N-O-C-T-U-R-N-E. Um, they're done, they're like little, like produced, you know, filmed professionally live um, performances of these in Los Angeles and some like, really cool like warehouse looking um, space with a small audience. Um, but he plays both those songs mostly, I mean, kind of more specifically I'm saying like, I'll be seeing you. He'll do a lot of that really good, um, like articulated speed. It's almost like if you compare it to um, a rapper, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that is able to, say the words you know quickly on time on point but not so fast that you're not registering the words that are being said you know right there's some rappers you'll hear um that are talking about god knows what because all you heard was kind of the 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 lead in the first few and then it just went off on this thing that was just so fast and just so jumbled probably caught a few of those words especially the bad ones i got the bad ones um or it's like i got those 17 uses of the n-word yeah or those ones that are just like you know they inflected just enough to where it kind of popped out all you know above the above the clouds of cloudy cloudies and uh but you know he plays in a way that those you know types of um lyricists will do where it makes sense you know right you know like i said you feel like you're keeping up with it it's like if you and it were walking side by side they'd be a a few steps ahead of you but you'd still be kind of keeping up with them um so yeah i'll be seeing you as i think probably the best um first introduction into julian lodge's playing um Another great use of speed is Stevie Ray Vaughan's cover of Little Wing. Yeah. So he yeah, takes, I, takes a song that had lyrics, makes it instrumental, but then he plays faster. Not, and he plays faster than Hendrix pretty much the whole song. Yeah. But he does oscillate between speeds. But 
I would almost, I would say that if nobody's ever heard Stevie Ray Ron, to start with that song, just because that's probably his finest playing. Because it is so, it's like water, man. Yeah, no, he's definitely, his tone is always, it's funny to say, because it's always been to me, it's been the same thing. It's like very, very watery. Like the the playing, but also the um, the tone. In a lot yeah. Of songs. He had a very kind of juicy, um, like cascading um, vibe and uh, auditory tone that was just like amazing gripping. Um, so yeah, that his version was a little wing um, is uh, Lenny or Riviera paradise um, utilizing so many really pure choices and showing great, not just thought, but feel, you know, it's like, yeah, he seems to go when he starts to go somewhere. It feels like it's the exact opposite of what you thought he would do. But then once he does it, you're like, Oh yes, this is what I was wanting. Right. Yes. You you know better than me. I'm sorry. I should never have thought you continue. It's surprising and familiar at the same time, no matter what he does. And that's, that's one of the most underrated things about him as a player. And I think you say the same thing about Hendrix. Like, well, okay. Wasn't expecting you to do that right there. Jimmy Page is another great example too. Especially when he would, you know, hit the wrong note. Yeah. Like, oh, what was that note? And then you keep hitting it and you're like, oh, never mind. It works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a jazz thing, you know. Uh, but it's also just no matter what, you're, you're feeling, you know, you're playing. It's, you're, yeah. You still need to be aware that it's a human being doing, you know, like these are, if you want to just hear the same song, the same way, just only listen to a recording because then it'll always be just the one way. But, um, and that's the problem with this, a lot of these speed players, right? Is because it, like going back to Ingbe, all the way back, you said circles, right? Yeah. Circling all the way back to Ingbe, it doesn't sound human. Mm hmm. So it's boring. But also it sounds the same every single time. Yeah. You know? Like, because that's a type of, um, I think a type of perfectionist um, behavior. Right. Because they don't stray from how it is or how it's played or how it's recorded or how it's written or whatever, you know, um, which to be fair is also present in, other um, uh, music in other parts of the world, you know, like if you're playing a sitar and you're playing traditional um, uh, Indian music and Indian songs, like there's a lot of that stuff. I mean, there's not real, there's not much improvisation, right? It's, you know, you learn the song. It's you like if you play Beethoven, people expect you to play Beethoven's notes. Exactly. Because it's more so at that point, it's not a, song you know it's not a hit it's not a pop hit what it is is almost like scripture you know it's like yeah it's a, it's a performance yeah rather than a, a jam or you know like yeah. what, what are your thoughts on the dead speaking uh, of bands that do the opposite and play the never play the same song right the same way um, ever i never really got into the dead it's tough um, i think it's tough for my generation your generation you know like I think we're technically, I think we're still part of the same generation, but um, 
anybody after their generation. I think the debt can be a tough swallow because it's so... It's very specific. It's a specific type of music, specific type of person. That and I don't know how to what the word is. It's so soft. Um, you know what I mean? Like it does. They do, they're playing the blues, but they're never rocking. You know what I mean? There, there isn't an edge yeah. to it. Yeah, it's sedated. Um, that's a good word for it. And I'm not saying it's bad because there are some Grateful Dead songs I do appreciate. But it's just a hard swallow. Having, I mean, having to like fall prey to the the joke, but it's you know, it's 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 stoned, you know. Yeah, it's when you're high and you got that kind of mellow. All right, man, cool, whatever. Well, and the, like, all the instruments. It's are Matthew st- McConaughey. It's Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh, Grateful right, Dead. Right. The Grateful Dead is Matthew McConaughey. When have you ever seen them at the same place, same time? No. <laughs> Never gonna happen. Like well, all the, the entire all the sound of all the instruments is really rounded too. You know what I mean? You never hear like a a biting guitar. Yeah, well, it's always really soft and rounded. You might get it now because John Mayer's you know playing with him. Yeah, that's crazy, and he's official member too. Yeah, I I don't I've never listened to a lot of his music, but everything I hear about him makes me respect him. Yeah, he's. Um, I don't always like stuff he's done, but at the same time I do because um, he's one of those guys that is just obsessed with what he's doing and doing it well. Um, he obviously doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah, apparently uh, when he goes on tour, he'll go and find like open mics or open jam sessions and just show up yeah. and play. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, I, he had, because he also has a, a tone, like he has a voice all his own that. Yeah. That kind of wispy some, voice. Somehow created. Um, he also has a guitar voice, you know, mm-hmm. you hear him play the guitar and it's not, you know, it's not a new sound. It's, but it's his way of playing coupled with, the actual tone that he gets um, definitely is kind of identifiable as him. And if you hear something that's not him, odds are it's been influenced by him. It's somebody else just kind of copying or, you know, taking a, a, a tool from his toolbox. Um, because there's got, you know, being a strat player, like you're getting those tones, Steve Ray was getting them. Hendrix before him. Every other strap player, well, up to that point, um, Clapton for a while. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of specific to that guitar. And then when it becomes your own, or if, you know, becomes your own if you learn how to have a voice just by your playing, not by your tone. You know, right? Note choices and chord phrasing and stuff like that, like. You can tell when you hear Steve Ray playing and you can tell when you hear someone trying to play like Steve Ray just because they had all the tone, you know, or they had all the, the right equipment. Um, but you can easily just fall into being one of those guys if you don't kind of, again, look at some of all parts and what else do I need other than I've got the right amp, I have the right pedals, I have the right guitar. All right, that's, uh, that's all I need. Just uh, start going now. It's like, oh, well, you forgot about the 
the being you and the playing part. You know, it's like you can't, um, you know, we're all using the same kind of stuff and it's like, you can use someone else's, you know, a rig or I say a rig or, you know, equipment and gear. You can use that, um, as like a platform or a blank canvas or a starting point. But when you really become your own is where you go with that, you know, like you might find like, Oh, just because Hendrix liked using this type of fuzz pedal, you know, and he had it at this point after the wall, it's like, well, that doesn't mean I like it. You know, I, did that I bought I was like I need to find the same ones that he had and it's like well I get the cry baby and yeah we all go through that phase yeah, not so just guitar players no yeah but I mean I was speaking for me you know like uh, when I when I first started when I was doing that vlogging thing mm-hmm. I would try to get the same camera and then what, what uh, are you editing in and all that because you think I don't know maybe you think you're going to get some of that juice <laughs> yeah. um, I'm fading fast so I think right. we're I'm, my my brain is slowly turning off, but let's let's, uh, let's do some uh, of our questions. Questions for next week. You start this time. Ah, damn it! Oh, you want me to start? All right, I'll okay. start. Who is your desert island guitar player? The person that if all other guitar players and all of their music dried up and disappeared, this person is the one that you would want to be able to still listen to. Okay. All right. Um, what's the first song, or maybe for you, like written like book, the first first example of either one of those you choose that you've heard or read at the first time, the first real time you remember feeling, God, I wish I had written that. Okay. Wish I had written that. I think we all have that where it's like if you're oh, yeah. a musician or an artist or a creator of any type and you come across like a piece that you just absolutely like love and instantly become obsessed with. Oh yeah. At that moment you're like, God, I wish I'd done that. I wish that had been mine. I wish I had my brain had given that to me before them or, you know, so. That's going to be a fun one to think of the answer to that one. Um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you can support me on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash holy fool productions, all one word. Uh, this week I put up an episode of Pants in the Chair talking about my recent experience with reviving my novel. Tom, where can they find you on Patreon? My Patreon is, um, let's see, it's www.patreon.com forward slash. Tom Woodrum. That's T-O-M-W-O-O-D-R-U-M. And what do you what are you thinking you're gonna do there? Um we haven't really talked about that yet. Yeah, I kind of took a uh a little bit of a break on focusing on what I was gonna be putting on here for a few other things, but um I feel like this is gonna be easier or getting heavy probably in the beginning with like uh more written word stuff than music until I really mm-hmm. kind of build up a catalog of, you know, random recordings. Um, so yeah, I think, I think some of the stuff that I've have written in the past and, um, new stuff that I've been doing to kind of help with life and minds. So probably, yeah, already written stuff. 
And if you guys want to support Lamb on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the vacant room. And um, what's your Instagram, Mr. Tom? It is Sir Beardo. Sir dot Beardo. Sir period the punctuation Beardo. And you can also follow at Random Badassery if you want to ignore the at symbol. We're having fun deciding whether we pronounce that anymore. <laughs> uh, that's me. We'll put recommendations, uh, possible topics for episodes, visual aids, like some of the stuff that you heard us mention here. We're going to put up there so that you can actually look at it um, and see what the hell we're talking about. Um, we also have Twitter. Same thing, at Random Badassery. That's run completely by robots because Twitter is toxic. Um, <laughs> I agree. And we will be back next week with more exciting adventures of Tom and Chad. And somewhere in between there, I think I'm going to have an episode with a guest. <gasps> I love guests. Yes, we're going to have a guest. A guitar player even. So this is a guitar-heavy week. Uh, this is dun, awesome. Dun, dun. Bye-bye, babies. Adios. <laughs>